Welcome back to Mining Stock Daily, everybody. Trevor Hall here with another corporate update. Uh, Let's get back to one of those Discovery Group companies that also had important news out this week. In fact, this morning, Fireweed Metals hit the tape saying that they have confirmed that their drill holes have connected that Boundary Main and Boundary West zones within the larger McMillan Pass project there in Yukon. So we're going to talk about not only confirming, but also the intervals here. Uh, (laughs) Really impressive, high-width, high-grade stuff here, Brandon McDonald, CEO of the company. Welcome and congratulations on this uh, exploration success. Yeah, well, it's... um... It's nice that for a couple of years running, we've had a, a, I mean, three years running, we've gone into each season with a concept and each season that concept's kind of proven to be correct, right? So it's, it's a great validation for the exploration team. Yeah. Uh, so really, there was there were a couple of headline holes here, but the one that really stands out was hole three. That was almost 72 meters of 6.5% zinc. 3% lead and 97.8 grams per ton silver. And there was a 21 meter interval in there of over 10% zinc, almost 7% lead and 178.5 grams per ton silver. Um, you know, not only does this confirm that those zones are connected here, Brandon, uh, but it also shows you that you, you have higher grade at depth, which remains open. So how do you follow up on yeah. this? Drill deeper. <laughs> <laughs> would be a, a good follow-up for sure. Uh, I mean, you know, it's important to remember that, you know, these are holes one through three. We've got, I think, 16 to 18 holes done already. Um, you know, we're probably anticipating uh, another, I mean, that's a boundary. We've got a bunch done at Tom too. So, you know, I think we're expecting 50 to 70 holes total this year. So this is the tip of the proverbial iceberg in terms of results this year and, and definitely definitely a good set to to launch on. Yeah. Uh it's I mean, you did tell us for months now this was going to be the biggest expiration season that McMillan Pass has ever seen under your uh management. So obviously we're about uh, it sounds like it sounds like you've targeted over 16,000 meters of drilling mostly focused on those three zones, boundary Tom and Jason. Uh, with more than 8,000 complete. So you're moving along pretty quickly here, it seems like. Well, you know, it's, I was mentioning this to someone else today that um, we've done more drilling this year uh, than than we had in total last year. And this we hadn't even started last year at this point, or, or it barely started because we were so late into the season last year because of floods and fires. Um, so, you know, I think we've targeted 16,000 meters and we'd budgeted uh i want to say 48 meters per rig per day uh on average to hit that and and we've been hitting close to 60 on average so you know i i don't know if we'll get a full um whatever that would be 20 uh, percent uplift in total meters but it, it'll be significant that we, we're definitely going to drill more you're definitely going to drill more so when do you make that decision it's a continuous decision right like uh, you don't really make it until you're approaching the end because uh, anyone who's been in this industry knows there's plenty of room for hiccups along the way. Um, and it's it's so amazing to be ahead of the game early in the season because so often, you know, your, your hiccups are, are deployment early in the season. And so you're playing catch up, right? Um, 
and you know this year we're not playing catch up we're we're starting out well ahead we hope to increase that buffer right but um you know it it, it means that we can't really make a decision on extension until we're pretty near the end yeah okay uh well let's, t- let's maybe dive a little bit deeper into these drill holes here brandon i mean besides the minute intervals and um uh, and, and the good grade that you propose. I mean, what do you know at a boundary now, other than that, uh, confirming that these two zones are connected? I mean, what more can you share that that uh, maybe you're seeing at a boundary uh, that you want shareholders to know? Um, you know, I I think that you know a couple of things. Um, first, that that boundary as originally defined the the so-called boundary main you know and, and as we've demonstrated today the distinction is very blurry if it exists at all between boundary main and west but it was these broad low grade intervals with with patchy high grade but but mostly low grade and and you know i say low grade still higher on average i think than the the average open pit st line in the world so not really terribly low grade um but, you know, these sort of, you know, we remember 2019, 230 meters of four and a half percent zinc, you know, big fat interval. Um, and then it was, you know, the discovery of Boundary West, these discrete stratiform zones, um, higher grade, more continuous. Um, and then we saw those same zones in Boundary Main and, and then connected it to Boundary West now, right? So th- this is kind of like a... Um, you know, this zone has a has multiple stories to tell. Um, yes, it's got this pervasive uh, lower grade mineralization that cross cuts strata, and it's going to prove up a huge amount of tons very quickly. But it's also got these discrete, continuous, high grade stratiform zones um, that um, will be less meaningful in terms of tonnage, but equally meaningful in terms of contained metal and probably more meaningful in terms of total economic impact, right? So this is this is a key thing that, that ultimately we're not trying to prove up a geological anomaly. We're trying to prove up a mine. So as you hit these higher grades, oh, there's my phone ringing, <laughs> typical on today like today. Um, so, you know, I, I think this is the key thing is that like, okay, people who have, may have been, you know, asking questions about whether in a remote location you could successfully mine four and a half percent zinc um you know now are like okay well we're we're getting these big broad intervals you know 72 meters as well north of 10 percent zinc equivalent right so that's underground grades yeah so let's talk about you you mentioned the feeder style mineralization massive sulfide uh specifically in hole three uh and then you mentioned some follow-up drill holes here within the news release that are still pending assays. Uh, that includes uh, hole 12 that you said intersected 48 meters, the same style massive sulfides. Uh, and that's a 40-meter step out from that hole 3, that massive hole, hole 3. Uh, you know, so talk about this. I mean, you know, talk to me like I'm 12 here, Brandon. If you intersect these feeder-style type mineralization how does that kind of feed into a mine plan at Boundary? And, and how does that kind of conceptual idea uh, kind of pave the path for your exploration work here moving forward, not only this year, but in, you know, the years to come? Yeah, you know, a, a potential mine plan at Boundary, you know, you have to look at, okay, are we doing open pit here? Uh, if we're doing open pit, how does it get scheduled? Um, you know, how do you target the high grade first? 
that the lower grade is is at the bottom um, allows you to pull the pit deeper for sure. But we do see some high grade shoots to to near surface, which allows you to front load cash flows as well, which is important in terms of payback period and overall economics. Um, but it's also nice that if it can't support a pit, now we, I, I think it, it definitely can, but if it can't, and, and that could be for um, technical or political reasons, um, we very clearly have a continuous high-grade zone that's amenable to underground mining here, right? So um, that makes a huge difference as well. Now, you know, these feeder-style zones, we, we see these at Tom and Jason and, and characterized by um, higher lead-to-zinc ratio, um, higher levels of silver, um, you know, and, and generally, um, but not exclusively as a rule, um, higher overall grades, right? So um, this is going to be meaningful, you know, in, in a big way to the economics as you start to hit these sort of zones. And what about uh, like putting together, you know, updated block model on boundaries? Is that something the, the company would be working on here this year? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we've already started a pretty comprehensive um, modeling of the geology of Boundary Zone. We needed that for drill targeting this year. And the idea is to kind of, as we go, progressively keep updating that geology and feed that into an eventual block model and resource, ideally, you know, first half of next year. A lot of uncertainty there because it depends on, you know, how and when assays are delivered. So far, so good. You know, these these assays were turned around three weeks after they left site, right? So if, if we're wrapping up drilling in October as we did last year or closing camp in October as we did last year, we could have final assays in November, right? Which would make it a lot easier to deliver uh, a resource update in Q1 2024, Versus, you know, last season's drilling, we got our final drill results, what was in March this year, which would make it impossible to deliver a, a resource update in Q1, right? So um, it, it just makes it, life is so much easier as the labs are faster. So, you know, knock on wood, hopefully that, that keeps up. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I do want to kind of step away from the, the, this zinc lead silver aspect of the project. Obviously, this continues to be the bread and butter uh, yeah. And we'll continue to see these drill results coming in probably within a couple of weeks, Brandon, given the time frame you just laid out there. Uh, but I do want to ask you about, uh, you mentioned gold exploration in a news release earlier this month. And I think a lot of people uh, maybe had uh, got caught by surprise here. Uh, you're going to commence gold exploration there at McMillan Pass. And we should remind everybody that McMillan Pass is in the general vicinity of Snowline Gold, and obviously all the success that they've been having. Uh, you know, I guess, you know, tell us more about the timing of this, Brandon. Why why go after this now when you've had such success at Boundary and uh, Tom and Jason? Um, I think a key thing for us when we decided to do this was that it would, to make sure we engineer it in a way it's not a distraction, right? Um so, you know, we put together a team, you know, led by Jody Gibson that, uh, you know, an amazing exploration geologist for gold in Yukon, you know, former um, prospector of the year in Yukon. Um, and and really, like, let give him some independence to go look at these gold targets. And, you know, Snowline's uh, amazing success, uh, really, these, these reduced intrusion-related gold systems, um, these intrusions, this belt, you know, the, the tombstone tungsten belt, 
um, extends from, you know, Eagle, Victoria Gold, you know, that sort of area all the way over uh, to us, right? And and those same intrusives that, that Snowline is drilling to such great success exist on our project. Now, there's a reason that their claims are contiguous to ours on the north, and they have additional claims to the south of us. You know, there's not a gap in those intrusions in the middle where we are. It's just it's not been adequately explored for them. I mean, none of that has, which is why, you know, Onyx, you know, just recently launched and why Rakla, you know, is a new player in that area as well, that, that everyone's taking another look at these intrusions in this district that have been well known to exist, but but inadequately explored, you know former explorers of our project you know we acquired part part of our project from newmont and part of our project came from was owned by colorado resources for a long time questex now i think they're called and and they had a partnership with goldfields there that spent quite a bit of money and it was interesting that both newmont and goldfields were very focused on these you know um carlin style gold targets um, we're not the right part of the basin for a Carlin style gold target. So they pretty quickly figured this out, but they had these strong gold signatures. Um, and they acknowledged, if you read the reports, that there was likely potential for these reduced intrusion related gold systems, but it was not what they were looking for. And I think honestly, you know, you, you look at the grade of what, um, snow lines hitting versus what, uh, you know, they're mining at Eagle uh, versus what Banyan's hitting. Um, and you got to understand that, that, you know, Banyan and, and Eagle are, you know, or Banyan's, you know, um, power line, et cetera, or Mac are, are oxide, right? So, um, snow lines not. So, you know, previous explorers here probably thought, well, if, if we're going to get comparable grades to that and it's going to be not oxide, this is not going to work. It's more remote, worse metallurgy, forget it. And so they, you know, they returned the claims or, or, or sold them to us, right? Um, what Snowlines proved up, particularly at the Valley deposit, is that, okay, these are two times the grade that we're seeing in other parts of, of this, you know, trend. Um, so suddenly it becomes interesting despite the fact that it is, you know, somewhat fresh rock. Um, so that's, you know, it, it's given us an immense amount of data, these massive geophysical and geochemical data sets to work with that, that have some really beautiful gold and, and, you know, associated element anomalies, um, near likely intrusives, right? So, um, it's armed, uh, Jody with a lot of data and a lot of information to go out and take a look. And the intent here is not to pivot, to be a gold company. It's that our neighbor has made a significant exploration success. We have the same geology. We have these screaming anomalies, it would be lunacy not to take a look, right? Sure. Um, sure. So that's what we're doing. What would the end game be here with this area of the project? I mean, is it something you would be interested in vending out, JVing, selling outright, if something were positive to come by? It depends, right? Like some of these intrusions are pretty dang close to um, some of the, the zinc deposits. Um, and one of the intrusions is, uh, you know, the intrusion that's causing uh, the MacTung deposit, right? That's a scar and it's an intrusion-related um, limestone-hosted deposit. Um, so it is not going to be so easy to just necessarily carve that out. Uh, 
But I think if you're thinking about, um, you know, mining a district or a camp, you know, this is going to be a super polymetallic camp. I, I think there's still lots of parties that'll be interested in that. All right. Well, early, early, early stages here. So we'll cross that bridge eventually yeah. when we get there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, we'll, I do we'll want to follow drilling. up. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt. I was going to say, we're unlikely to be drilling the gold targets this year. Uh, I mean, uh, I think the gold exploration team is on site uh, imminently. Um, if they, you know, find some outcrop that uh, has, a, you know, incredible vein density, which has been such a... Um, indicator for snow line and and uh, other deposits in in this trend um maybe there's a drill hole into it but but that's that's a big big maybe they have to maybe find it they have to maybe be able to mobilize a drill to it right so okay yeah yeah uh i i wanted to kind of end the conversation here brandon you just wrapped up the yukon mine tours last week with the yukon mining alliance it's always a really great event. It gets a lot of people up to Yukon to see these projects that would, they'd rarely have the opportunity to do that in the first place. I unfortunately uh, could not make it this year. I had prior obligations with the family. Uh, but I you know, want to get a sense of kind of like what was, you know, general kind of sense with these tours. I know you hosted a big group earlier in the tour. Uh, what were some of the general themes, questions that arose, not only with, McMillan Pass and Fireweed, but also generally in Yukon. And then also, what are some of the challenges that you continue to be faced up there in the jurisdiction? You know, I I think an emerging theme um, was the, 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 the movement of the center of gravity of exploration success in Yukon. Um, traditionally, we've been so focused on um, the Klondike, white gold area, right, which produced the white gold deposit and produced uh, the coffee deposit, you know, which became, you know, Kamenak, which became a Baba Gold Corp, and then subsequently Newmont. You know, that area is not too far from, and then you've got the sort of Kino Mayo area, you know, where Alexco and Victoria Gold and, and uh, Banyan are operating, um, and the classic Klondike, you know, placer fields where Klondike Gold has been exploring. Um that's the classic Yukon exploration story, right? But um, now this this center of excitement has been pulled east by Snowline and ourselves because there's this just tremendous exploration success in the Selwyn Basin, uh, you know, in the eastern part of Yukon Territory. Um, and that's that's new. And it's, it's maybe an area people are not familiar with. It's not as storied. It's not as well explored. I think there's a lot more exploration success to be had there. Um, you know, so I, I think that was a big story. Uh, I thought it was a very good group. It was a very good mix of, of media analysts, investors, etc. cetera. Um, everyone seemed to be positive. The weather was good, which, you know, I can tell you doing site visits that good weather improves everyone's mood and improves their perception <laughs> of the project. And it shouldn't, right? Like right. the project is not the weather, Yet you have a sunny day with beautiful vistas and a nice helicopter ride and everyone's taking wonderful photos and everyone comes away more positive. You know, we were forecast for thunderstorms on the day we did our, our tour and uh, mercifully there was no thunderstorms. It was actually a great day. Um, and it makes a huge difference to people's perception. I, you know, it's just such a great event and we're, we're super happy with our, our partnership on that. Um, but, you know, the, the challenges still remain that there's no escaping that Yukon needs better infrastructure. 
that there is the resource gateway funding package. There, there certainly is of which we, you know, have been allocated 71 million. There's, you know, new federal funds for critical minerals. There's a uh, push by the Yukon government to do a strategic review, looking at a connection to the British Columbia power grid, um, which would be a big game changer. Um, th- there's a lot going on, right? These are all challenges that need to be tackled. Um, and Okay. Brandon, appreciate your time. Again, congratulations on the confirmation of these, uh, of connecting uh, the boundary zones there. We'll be catching up with you again here in the next couple of weeks because it sounds like there's going to be a lot more drill results uh, hitting the tape here. And we'll just chat then. Have yourself a good rest of your week. Thank you. All right, everybody, that's your update from Fireweed Metals. Again, trading on the Venture Exchange with FWZ. They are a sponsor of the podcast. I'm also a shareholder, and we will be back with more here on this Wednesday, busy Wednesday on Mining Stock Daily. Stay tuned. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.